Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International, Apostolic Networking, uh, New Testament Leadership, Series of Teaching and Indoctrinations, Part 4. Part 4. What we'll be looking at today is something I don't think I've ever heard before in all the years in being saved or hardly heard, which has to do with the judgment seat of Christ for believers and in context with our works. Even though this teaching is taught in context with leaders in mind, this is for all believers of all ages, but also including unbelievers. We're going to touch a little bit on that today. So let's start here with key references and critical notes. Uh, let's start with, uh, this is our foundational verses. Now we're going to get into a lot of different other verses to unpack what was first said in the first part here. Let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. Let's start with verse 10. Accord, Paul is here speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. According to the grace of God bestowed upon me, like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. Wow, what a privilege, but also what a responsibility. And now another is building upon it, but let each be careful how he builds upon it. So the foundation is there, all right? So we got to be careful. So note here, be careful, the words be careful, is a warning, once again, going back to what we've already looked at in our previous teachings on Acts 20, 28 to 32, which was Paul also. Of course, Acts was, was written by Luke, but he was referring to Paul. Paul was speaking there in, in uh, Acts, and he was giving a warning there to the believers too. And the Bible is full of warnings. 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, so note here, this is very interesting here, note. Most, if not every time Paul mentions the Lord Jesus Christ, he has in mind his humanity, all right, most of the time, especially in his letters regarding who we are and what we are and what belongs to us in our union with Christ, because we ourselves are are human beings, right? And not little gods or anything like that, but children and sons of God, with Jesus Christ being God's firstborn son from the dead, a firstborn of the new creation, etc. Many times when we read something Paul said, we need to understand the revelation he has regarding that specific subject written to us in other parts of his letters. And in this context, Paul has mentioned having laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, as the second Adam, the new Adam, the last Adam. All right? It's the same thing as I could teach on something, and I'll say something, and people will say, I didn't understand that part, and it's because I should have, sometimes it's tedious, I should have un unpacked that a little bit to, to, to bring clarification because of some revelation that the Lord gave me regarding that specific subject, but it's a revelation that is not really fit for that teaching at that time. Let's look at verse 12 to 15. Uh, but if anyone builds upon the foundation, the foundation, not a foundation, but the foundation, whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each will become 
plainly, openly known, shown for what it is, for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it because it will be revealed with fire, with fire, and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. 14. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts, whatever survives this test, he will get a reward. Amen. But, there's always a but, like my mom says, but if any person's work is burned up under the test or during the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward, though he himself will be saved, but only as one who has passed through fire. There's so much in here to teach, and I don't really have the time to teach on all this. So I just wrote here, very and extremely serious, if you ask me. So, in verse, in these four verses that we just looked at here from 12 to 14, we've got some key words in here, and we're going to be really, this is what we're going to be looking at today. It's in verse uh, 12, we have the word builds. In verse 13, we have the word done. In verse 13 and 15, we have the word work, and we have the word built in verse 14, and also the word efforts in verse 14. So, I have some key Greek words here. We're going to go through them pretty quickly. And uh, so we have, um, we have four key, key, uh, key Greek words. The first one is tw Strong's number 2026. 20, it's uh, to build upon. And uh, I build upon a foundation. Uh, 2041, it's the word ergon. It's the, uh, it's the word work. We get the word work. Then we've got the word uh, 20, uh, Strong's number 2872. It's to grow weary, toil, and then 2873, it's laborious toil. So they all have, they're all basically synonymous, and I just put them there for references for those who would want to um, unpack that a little bit more on their own time. So I wrote here, when I began to put this teaching together, I remember this, I was not too sure where I was going as in what direction, because sometimes you get something and then you're not, there's so many different directions you can take it, you can go with it. And, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I would rather take a few extra days or more to get more into prayer so that I could get his mind and his direction regarding a certain portion of his own word. And this is when things begin to really open up to me, usually. Uh, even more, bringing clarity, causing me to see something I may have never seen before or causing me to be reminded of something I had previously known. Uh, you know, there's just so much you're, you're teaching, you're learning all the time, you're writing, and uh, sometimes you forget things. Um, in other words, things begin to evolve when I seek his own mind regarding his own word. It's, it's hard to explain sometimes how things happen to me, how things begin to unravel, I guess. I, I like the word unraveling uh, inside of me, in my soul, and it's the Holy Spirit who begins to start, just starts unraveling things inside of me, causing me to see something I've never seen before. Originally, mankind, this is very important, this is very, this is so key here. Originally, mankind was created by God in order to build or to make things upon this earth. And we're going to look at that. Whether we are saved or unsaved, this has not changed one bit. All of us without exceptions, no exceptions, just love to build things. We love to make things, doing things, inventing things, accomplishing things. Yeah. Yet there is coming a day sooner or later for each one of us 
or not saved, saved or not saved, to give an account to God. Yeah, to God. Uh, the unsaved, they don't believe in God, but they're going to give an account to God one day. They're going to believe on that day that God exists, and it's going to be too late. Regarding the things that we have done, built, accomplished, invented, made, etc. Various serious indeed. I tremble at this very thought. I really do. I feel sorry for people. And not so much for myself, but for the billions of people out there. Because I'll tell you, man, there's all kinds of stuff being done out there. Have been done for years, for centuries. And uh, anyhow, key references here. Let's look at key references. But I wrote here, we must always begin with the beginning of beginnings, obviously. Which is found in the Genesis account. Especially with the first few chapters. Especially chapter 1 to 3. But we're not going to look at everything here. Let's just look at Genesis 1. 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, and God said to them, he said to this after he created them, be fruitful and multiply. That's, gonna, that's work. Yeah. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's work. Have dominion. That's work. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That is work. All right. Uh, God gave mankind, gave Adam works to do. Absolutely. To get things done. Things to accomplish. That's right. God gave mankind works to get done. All of this was before the fall, before the fall of mankind and not after, but everything changed, and I do mean everything, after the fall of man. All right, we're going to look at this right now. <clears throat> Genesis 3, 17 to 19, what does God say? Then to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat. Toil. See, toil. Work. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. Wow, that's labor. All right? And shall eat bread. He's going to get sweaty. All right? But it was never God's will for him to become sweaty. All right? Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So I wrote here, do you see the change that took place from before the fall to after the fall? Do you see that change there? Yeah. Not God's will either, like some say. <laughs> God, some people say they're God-ordained man, uh, Adam, to fall. Wow, what a heresy. All right. God had given Adam specific assignments and work for him or us to accomplish and get done upon the earth. But those assignments never changed because God never changed. But since man changed for the worse and not for the better, those works changed for the worse. But that's man's doing. That's not God's doing. Most of the works that have been done and that are being done upon the earth today are done according to carnal, fallen 
man. And according to God, these works are not approved by God. Overall, they're really not. They are worth nothing or next to nothing because they are not done according to his will for his kingdom and his glory. We will see shortly what God's word has to say about all this. I just want to interact here and say, you know, we've got we've got great things that man has built over the years. I mean, things that we need, you know, for transportation, whether it's planes, ships, um, planes, ships, trains, railroad tracks, uh, highways, bridges, all these different things. We need those things, obviously. But you know, do you ever notice that they never give God the glory for all of that? Most of them, most of it. God doesn't get the glory for it. And these things, after a while, they start breaking down. Yeah, and if God was in it, they would never break down. They would never break down because God is a, he's a master builder. He created the, the universe. You know, so we got some problems on that day. Let's start here with Matthew 11, 2, 4 to 5 regarding works. And this is this is after uh, the fall of man, obviously, but this is a little bit different here. Uh, 2, verse 2, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ. Really? Christ had works? Oh, did he ever? Yeah. He sent two of his disciples. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Wow, works of Christ, all right? We had previously read in 1 Corinthians 3 that the foundation is Jesus Christ, right? And we have been warned to build properly upon, upon that foundation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ of the four gospels no other jesus it's the jesus when paul was talking about jesus in corinthians he's talking about the jesus found back in the four gospels and with this foundation there are works attached to it as there are with all other foundations therefore if we get our foundation right as well as building upon it properly as we ought to we will get our works right all right god will see to it the works off of the foundation, which is no one else and nothing else but the works of the second, the last, and the new Adam, the new man. All right, the new man has works. Amen. These are his works. Therefore, they should also be our works. They should be. They have to be. And if they're not, you're going to have some problems. As members of his own body, and this is a big part of my calling, returning the church to the works of Christ upon the earth. It really is. All right. Now let's look at John 5, very interesting here, 17 and then 19 to 20, regarding Jesus himself, the second Adam, the last Adam. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now. Really? The father working? No way. Oh, yeah. And I have been working. Yeah, see how they work together? Mm-hmm. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do or working. For whatever the Father does, or whatever he works at, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does or works, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. This is really this is really interesting. I remember when I got put this together, I never had really seen this before. So we have a key words such as works, working, but also does, does, do, doing, as in perform and accomplish. Any type of works must be done or accomplished in order to become visible. In this context, it clearly tells us that Jesus was fully preoccupied and committed in doing or accomplishing the works 
of the father of his father. The father has works. His father has works. All right. Therefore, this tells me that the father, which is our father also, has works he wants to get done through us, his children, his sons. Our father in heaven has works he needs to get done here upon the earth. Jesus was single-minded when it came to doing the works of his father, and so must we be. What about Jesus at the tender age of the age of 12? The age of 12, he was working. Yeah, most kids are playing. No, no, that's all wrong. I believe that's all wrong, yeah. Luke 2.49, it says here, And he, Jesus, said to them, Why, to who? To Joseph and Mary, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be at my father's business? Yeah, I'm working for my father. I'm working with my father, actually. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to John 6, 28 to 29. Then they said to him, what shall we do? His disciples said to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Wow, God has works. The father has works. Jesus has works. Yeah, and we need to get onto those works and nothing else. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent me a lot of, I tell you, I remember uh, when Gary taught on this and uh, I had never, well, obviously I had never seen that before, but uh, anyhow, this is the way I understand it. The works of God is to believe in Jesus. That we, that's what we just read. But in the truest sense of the word believe, right? It also carries the idea of to follow, to follow. And in the truest sense of the word to follow, you will have the idea of to imitate. People follow certain kinds of people in order to imitate them, wanting to become like them. Hey, listen, this happens in the world and in the church. Um, doing or wanting to do the very same works that Jesus did should be for all of us, as well as his followers, as, as his followers, his disciples. When you follow someone, in the true sense of the word follow, it is because you admire what they are, they are and what they are doing and would love to be and do the very same things, wanting to become just like them. I tell you, I went through all that with my guitar years, man, wanting to become like George Lynch, wanting to become like Inge, wanting to become like Ronnie Latecrow. Yeah, I wanted to become, I wanted to play like them. I wanted to look like them, you know. Let's move on to 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. This is Paul here. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Than they all. Who, who's the they all? The other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Very interesting here. Note, there are basically two types of people in the church. Basically, there's others, but this is just to break it down to get us started here. Those who take God's grace in vain and those who do not take God's grace in vain and those who take God's grace in vain end up doing nothing or next to nothing for his kingdom. Yet those who do not take his grace in vain end up doing great exploits for his kingdom. Jesus is our perfect example in not taking God's grace in vain and look at the fruit, look at the results. Therefore, we should imitate him the grace of God will produce the works of God upon the earth once again because this is what's missing. This is what's missing. The works of Christ will change so many things upon the earth for the better. It won't change everything, but it's going to change a lot of things. Let's move on to 2 Corinthians 5.10, which has been one of my favorites, I would say, ever since, almost ever since I got saved. 
For we must all appear, this is for the believer, and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each person may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, amplified, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, oh, busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing his works. All right? Note. Everything that gets done upon this earth, no matter what the works may be, it doesn't matter what they are, whether it's small, little things, or big things, for saint and sinner alike has to get done, accomplished, performed by the avenue of the human body, especially with the hands. Oh my goodness, these hands, these hands are gonna give an account. Oh yeah, all of us, what we've done with our hands, what we've done with our body, saved, unsaved alike. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, huge, huge verse. For we are his workmanship, we got the word work in there, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note, when I discovered this verse quite a few years ago, I lost all desire and interest to do my own works, my own thing, but to discover what God had in mind for me to do. Now I spend most of my time in prayer, the word fasting, to, to know these things, to get to know these good works that God has already planned for me beforehand, all right? Uh, believe it or not, God the Father already had good works planned beforehand for Jesus, yeah? To walk in, and this is what Jesus was fully preoccupied with, as we have already seen in John 5. That's what Jesus was referring to. It all fits together like a big tapestry. And this is what the Apostle Paul was referring to in what we've already read in 1 Corinthians 3. It's those works, right? And if we do those works, any works not ordained of God will be burned up, losing rewards. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, And we also thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is truly the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, those who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely upon it. Note, God the Word became flesh, right? John 1.14, and it is still the perfect will of God for the Word of God to become flesh upon the earth. Believe it or not, yes it is. God wants to manifest His Word not only in us, but through us as His sons, like He did with His firstborn son. But this will never take place until we get that word of God as a seed planted inside of us, uh, which is what the parables of the sower is all about. We got in uh, Matthew 13, we got in Mark 4, Luke 8, and even in John 15. It's a type of, uh, to me, it's a type of parable of the sower, uh, which is key to building the faith of God, which is what God, what which is what puts God to work. <laughs> If you want to experience the Word of God effectively at work in and through you, you will need to believe, Mark 11:23. And apart from faith, you will never see God working in your life or ministry. Believe it or not, that's just the way it is. Hebrews 4:3, huge verse. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Oh yeah. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Don't have time to unpack all of this, but I wrote here, this verse reminds me of Ephesians 2.10, which has the word works prepared beforehand because, because of what it says in Hebrews, the works were finished 
from the foundation. See how the similarity, there's similarities there. In other words, God is always ahead of us or ahead of the game. God always has the answer or solution to every one of our problems. Therefore, in many ways, I have no reason to plan anything before and except to seek His will as it is, as it would be between a father, mother, parents, and their young children. How much more with God? You know, parents, they already have something planned for their kids, even before they're born. And uh, to a certain age, anyhow, and after a while, while well, the kids start growing up, and they start doing their own thing, different things like that. So that does not apply to us as believers. No, no, no. We never end up doing our own thing. No, we should always transform so much into his image that we always end up, he can do more things in us and through us. So I wrote here, where are we here? Revelation. Let's move on to Revelation. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors or their works and their works, their labors follow them. All right. So we are saved according to his works, his own works at the cross, right? That's how we're saved. We're not saved by these works. No, no, we're saved unto good works. I should have written that there. But we will give an account according to our own works we've done after we were saved, whether they were done according to his will or according to our own will. The moment I enter heaven for eternity, so will my works. Uh, all right. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Therefore, I want to make sure while I'm down here, I get rid of the bad and the ugly as much as possible. And this is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 3. You know, when you enter heaven, it's, just, it's not going to happen like this, but just to give an illustration. When you get into heaven, if you think you can keep some of the bad works out of heaven, go, no, no, that, you're not coming in with me. No, no, that's staying behind. It ain't going to happen. All the bad stuff that you've done, and even the stuff that was not according to God's will, it's going to come in. It's coming in. I don't know how it's going to come in, but it's going to come in because they're all written in the book. Of, they're all written in the books anyhow, right? So you got no choice. So I wrote here. I've seen many works being done in the church over the years, and most of them are done according to the old man and not the new man. Mm, I still see that today. Won't mention names. Far too many will lose their rewards if they don't change their works down here upon the earth. This is the time to see our own works the way God sees them and make adjustments as he sees fit and not wait till we get to heaven. I have no desire to lose rewards once I get to heaven because we will be known throughout eternity for our works, our rewards, or burned up works or loss of rewards. Yeah, we are. Those of us We'll have more rewards means our works pass the test. Imagine this. Just imagine this for a moment here. Some of us laboring here on this earth for so many years to only get to heaven and have those same works burned up, losing rewards. No thank you. Let's move on to Revelations 20.12. And I saw the dead. Now we're talking about the unbeliever here. The dead... Uh, the dead and these are the spiritually dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. This is going to be something I I I hope to be there. I want to see this, you know. And books were open. Books were open, really. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged. The dead, the spiritually dead, those who were not born again, because this is the great white throne judgment. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written. 
in the books. So I wrote here, the works of the heathen will also be judged, even their so-called good works. We've got heathens out there. They're doing so-called good works, but they're going to be judged. All right. Even everything, the things done in secret, oh, especially those, have been, are being, will be written down in books being reserved for that day. And uh, this is something that we need to, to the, the world needs to hear this to, so they get born again. I should have called this teaching the history of works. I should have. Anyhow, key comments here. We're almost done here. We are saved according to his own works at the cross. I already said this before, but I'm repeating. But we will give an account according to our own works we've done after we were saved, whether they were done according to his will or our own will, going back to what was said in 1 Corinthians 3. But also, let me tell you this here, even though you are doing you're doing what God has called you to do, but you could be doing it according to your own will. You know, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that I was planning on doing for Mission Enterprise, and uh, it was for Mission Enterprise, but it was not according to his will. I, I had to get a little bit more insight into that. God saved us in order to accomplish his will and works in us, in and through us. God did not save us so that we can keep on doing our own dead works. Uh, once we are born of God, we belong to God and not to ourselves or anyone else. We are now the body of Christ, the temple of God here upon the earth. God alone has the capacity and capabilities to work and accomplish his own works, yet he needs our cooperation through our faith. Faith puts God to work at accomplishing his own works. Every time God was able to do some miracle in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, it was based upon someone's faith, all right? Just read the four Gospels, as well as the Epistle of Hebrews, especially chapter 11, the great faith chapter. The works, the works based upon the original creation are very different compared to the works based upon the new creation because of the fall of mankind. Therefore, the works of the new creation are basically called works of redemption or redemptive works such as the great commission preaching the gospel making disciples missionary work healing the sick raising the dead driving out demons etc everything i teach is based upon the word of god in its full counsel rightly divided but also based upon what he's given me concerning missionary prize and the need to reform the church defend the faith returning the church back to the word and returning the word back to the church. And in doing so, the church will return back to Jesus, its head, since Jesus is the word. We need to reconnect the body to the head. Yeah, and this is the way you do it. Well, this is part of it, anyhow. Uh, getting back into the five keys, mortification, transformation, putting on the new man. God wants to manifest and put on display his word like he was able to do so with Jesus. But we need to be full of his word, becoming fully convinced of it by sowing it, meditating it, confessing it, declaring it day and night so that we will have a harvest of his word. So I want to thank you for your time and I encourage you to keep on walking or start walking in the fullness of the grace and the faith of God. Shalom and amen.